Hello and welcome back. We're uh, uh, episode. Well, we we ditched the episode format, but uh, good evening to everyone. Um, and I hope you're all well. You know, we're, we're sort of one week now into our uh, lockdown in the UK. Um, I know that you've got something similar going on in the US as well. Um, so we, you know, we'll probably talk a bit about that. But tonight we have a very special guest, um, somebody that everybody knows in the modelling world. Uh, if you don't know him, you will know of his products. Uh, most of us probably have uh, one form or another. Uh, who am I referring to? I am referring to Megan Menace. <laughs> Ken, now is it? I'm gonna. Is it slot felt? Uh, yeah. Uh, Smith. Smith. Okay. <laughs> so we've got Ken Smith with us from Badger. Um, and I, I'm more known as Ken Badger than Ken Schlotfeld. Yeah. So. so Ken Badger. Uh, the man at the top of the tree at Badger, we've uh, he's, we've finally got him to come on. He's very very busy, um, and uh, I'm I'm really thrilled that we've managed to get you on, Ken. I really am, and it's thanks to Josh um, that uh, managed to arrange this. Uh, as always, with me tonight is Josh from US. He's our US representative, and Gordon, who is at Oracle. Uh, knows everything to do about plastic uh, and the models and where, you know, everything like that. Gordon's a man for stuff like that, information on planes, jets, you name it, he knows it. Um, and so there we are. Uh, welcome to everyone. Um, so as I say, tonight we're, we're in a weird situation at the moment. Everything is locked down everywhere. It's unbelievable. Um, you go out on the streets, they're empty. Um, and uh, I don't know, does this have an impact on you, Ken, your business? How does, is, is it the same in America as it is over here? Uh, of course. I don't think anyone's not affected by the uh, COVID-19 circumstance. Um, if I could, I just needed to ask you guys a question, this being my first time here. Do the viewers see this the same way I see it on my screen? No, it's an audio no, podcast. No, it's audio only. Oh, um, uh, okay. It is, it, it is live on YouTube, but it's a private link. So what okay. normally happens is... Well, it, um, and I only ask the question because, as you guys know... I see four boxes in close proximity to each other, and I'm yeah. thinking we should be further apart. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're okay because I have disinfected this line here. <laughs> okay, but, but what about what about John? Um, I don't know what he's done on his side, and I know I haven't done anything on mine. But uh, in any case, I apologize. Oh, okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> Oh, wouldn't it wouldn't it be cool now if John could reach over and an arm could come out of the screen? <laughs> yeah, and wipe the side of my face. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, you know, man. it's but back to your question. Yeah, of, of course, Badger's impacted like everyone else, and uh, we've done a lot of adjusting in the last week. Uh, everything from 
uh, work area reorganization. Uh, it, you know, the way that we were laid out in many departments, there were four or five people uh, in a small area that now we've minimized uh, two people to a department sector um, so that no one needs to be any closer to someone yeah. than they want to be. Um, we actually went, to, because here in the States, one of the things that has happened quite a bit, and it impacts businesses as well as individuals, is there's been a lot of hoarding, uh, you know, cleaning the stores out of paper towels and toilet papers and hand soaps. Mm -hmm. So we actually went to the extent uh, of, uh, as we were able to obtain some of the things our employees readily use here and expect us to provide, like toilet papers and stuff like that, we gave each employee their own sanitation kit um, with, a, believe it or not, a roll of toilet paper, a thing of hand soap, uh, gloves, and uh, and paper towels. And as they use those things up, they have to actually come to me to get more, which I know yeah. it seems odd to ration things like, like that, but Not that way everyone's their own stuff. And that's one of the things we as a company don't have to worry about uh, under the circumstances. And believe it or not, um, we are actually in the, in the midst of developing a surface sanitizing and disinfecting system um, that we, yeah. we've had a oh, couple yeah. of companies come to us in the laboratory field and such that have asked if we have anything like that, which we don't, although airbrushes can be used for those type of applications. So we're actually putting a system together for that. And a lot of people would go, well, why do I need an airbrush to do that? And the fact of the matter is the application with an airbrush is so much more precise and saturating uh, than it is with a simple spray bottle getting into nooks and crannies and crevices that a lot of these wow. lab environments that are so active right now want to make certain are properly uh, disinfected for their, uh, uh, for their laboratory purposes. So we've been impacted both negatively and positively. Um, we have asked a uh, a certain portion of our employee that we feel is more vulnerable right now to stay at home and not come to work uh, because, you know, the average tenure of employee here at Badger is uh, almost 20 years. So you can yeah. imagine that some of those people, we have people that are over 70 years old uh, that work here. And for the time being, we'd rather they stay safe at home, although Badger is very much a second home to them. Um, right now, they're they're better off at their house home than they are uh, here. So, I, so yeah, so we have been impacted, uh, to say yeah. the least. Can I ask, because over here, with, when it comes to uh, people having to stay home from work, there's been a big issue um, over payment. Uh, we have a thing over here called statutory sick pay, um, and the government over here agreed to pay, uh, what was it, Gordon, 80% of the wage or something? And 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 the employee would pay a further twenty percent. Is that an issue where you are? Uh, I don't know how to put it um, without seeming. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I mean, first off, we as a company are uh, do the best we can to provide yeah. sick pay benefits to our employees to begin with, um, and those certainly are being continued in this current time. Um, there is support being given by the government uh, to enable company like companies like ours to extend that 
beyond the norm. I mean, yeah. generally the policy, the, the legal policy here is six days yeah. of, uh, uh, of allowable uh, paid sick days. Um, we do try to go beyond that. Uh, you know, it's, sometimes we will categorize it with the employee as vacation time. For instance, you know, we've had employees who will have a surgery or something like that um, where, you know, they're, they're going to be off for an extended period of time and they're going to use all their sick days, but they're going to go well beyond that. Um, and being a family owned business where all the employees are family, um, we tend to try to go well beyond what the legal limit is uh, and exceed it because that's what makes it family. You care for your family yeah. first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So yeah, there's, there's similar programs though here in the States and each employer probably handles those things a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen uh, I've obviously watched videos on uh, your factory, and uh, I've seen the videos where you do the little tours with Gil, um, because um, I, I you know I understand your friends with Gil. Um, he's a great guy. We've had him on here actually. Um, so Gil, well, who's who's Gil? Gilbert Mondragon. Gilbert Gil Mondragon. Mondragon. I, I, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, Styron I'm, Syndicate. I'm not sure who that is. Not, I, I'm, I'm not, Styron Syndicate. What's that? <laughs> I'm messing with you guys. Come on. <laughs> Gee. Oh, uh, I forget. Me. A couple of you guys are English, so the sense yeah. of humor might be limited a yeah. little bit. Um, <laughs> you actually, you actually it, it, yeah. When you listen to this, yeah. I have nothing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should have seen Mark's face. He was going. Huh? You could see the terror on his face. Yeah, I could see on Ken's face. Yeah. The slight yeah. smirk. Like, yeah, he's pulling his hey, I, I, I love Gilbert. Gilbert's one of the few guys to ever share a hotel room with me at Gen Con a few years ago because I snore yeah. like a mother. And. <laughs> 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 oh man oh god uh, yeah i'm never gonna live that down now i honestly for a minute there i thought oh my god he doesn't know who gill is uh, <laughs> either gill's been lying to me um or oh I, di I didn't know what to do i didn't know what to say i was like oh, amazing anyway yeah, yeah we We've had Gil on here. Um, yeah, like I say, he's a great guy, and he he promotes your badger a lot. Um, but um, I, I've got uh, the SOTAR 2020. But let's say somebody's coming to you that uh, uh, you know that they've never had a badger airbrush before. Um, maybe they've got an Iwata, or they've got uh, the German brand. Otter and Steenbeck. Um, how do you sell them a Badger airbrush? What does Badger give that um, you won't get with other companies? Well, first of all, the two brands that you mentioned uh, are very reputable products and yeah. uh, that work exceptionally well. So they may not need another airbrush to tell you the truth. So, so there the matter is, what is the airbrush you have not do for you that you want it to do? And if we can identify what that is, we can advise them what airbrush in our product line may do that better than what they already have. Um, you know, and I should add Pache to the list as well. That's another very reputable yeah. brand of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, of airbrush that a lot of people own. Um, you know, so 
people aren't necessarily looking to change brands. The time I would tell you that you want to do that is when your brand, you know, doesn't provide you what you need in some effect that you want to create uh, with the airbrush. As far as the differences, I mean, we all make quality products. Companies like that don't have the reputations we have and have been around as long as they have if we weren't making good stuff. I do believe the one area where we put an emphasis and really try to excel is our hands-on approach, our customer service and support. Um, you know, yeah, you I, I, know, I don't know a lot of business owners in those other companies that enjoy this time. You know, I, when you asked, when Josh asked if I want to do, I, this is my favorite part of what I do is interacting yeah. with the end user. And even if they don't buy a badge or airbrush, I want to give them some advice that if they're a newbie or an aspiring artist, gets them in the right path of what the right airbrush is for what they want to do. You know, if they don't buy Badger, we're probably not going to be doing uh, bending over backwards to help them uh, when they, you know, need that additional assistance beyond selection. Um, you know, we're not going to be cold or cruel about it. Um, but certainly uh, we do believe that the service and support uh, we provide for our brand and the and to the airbrush community in general exceeds that of our competitors. Yeah, you've got some. Um, I mean, I've for years I wanted the Sotar 2020, and um, I've, I've I've finally got one uh, recently. Um, there's mine, um, and it's a completely different experience. To Josh, where's your Sotar? <laughs> hey. Is right here. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. Sorry about that. But um, one of the things I noticed, and uh, you put a little uh, thing on the end of the airbrush. Um, so I was always told never to withdraw a needle from behind, uh, never to pull it back, um, always to push it forward when you're taking it out. Um, um, you know, put it in from the rear, but your system doesn't allow you to push it forward and pull it out. You you must pull it back. Um, I'm intrigued. Why? Why does well, that? I think uh, part of that is it's, and certainly we have certain airbrushes, uh, the Legend series, the old 150s and 100s that you can remove the needle through the front of the airbrush. But one of the things that we've always preached is um, to avoid disassembly as much as possible. And that's done by shooting cleaner through your airbrush so frequently, there's never a residual paint left in it. Yeah. And I believe that that residual paint element is the reason that people sometimes give the advice, only take the needle through the front of your airbrush. Right. Um, because you don't want to drag that residual paint through the back of the airbrush. Now, in a Badger airbrush, you have a seal inside of the gun that even if you take a needle out of a 150 or a 100 through the back of it, you're not going to drag paint through it because the seal's going to prohibit that from happening yeah. on the presumption that um, you've done that before the paint's been allowed to set up in the airbrush. And that goes back to shooting cleaner so frequently that paint's not allowed to set up in the airbrush. So there's no harm in taking the needle out through the back of the airbrush, even though you can take it out through the front. One of the things that 
the airbrush you're talking about, the SOTAR that has the knob on the back end, which that's also something on the Pro Production Series uh, airbrush that has the ball on the back end. So all you have to do is loosen the needle chuck, and then you can take the needle out yeah. without taking anything apart. That design was premised on the fact that the needle is the one part that people most commonly want to take out of their airbrush to give it a more meticulous cleaning if they're experiencing tip yeah. drying clogging. And our design idea in that was predicated on both the fact that we preach methods to avoid paint setting up in the airbrush, so there's no harm in taking the needle out through the back of the airbrush, but also uh, reducing the time it takes to remove the needle out of the airbrush. And that is by simply loosening the needle chuck and nothing else, and then taking the needle out of the back of the gun. Whereas yeah. if you're taking out of the front of the gun on, on most other brands of airbrushes, you have to take the handle off, you have to loosen the needle chunk, you got to push the needle out through the front, which means in order to do that, you've also got to take the nozzle assembly off the gun. Otherwise, you can't get the needle out of the front of the airbrush. So our design was predicated on quick, easy needle removal for the one part you most commonly may want to take out of the airbrush to look at. So yeah. if you coordinate those two things of not letting paint set up in the airbrush and quick needle removal, um, you have a more efficient, uh, easier to maintain tool in the ways that yeah. most people want to maintain it, which is to yeah. avoid disassembly if you can. Yeah, you're right, I do. Um, I, I often take this needle out, whereas my eye water, I do have to take the barrel off the back and then um you know the, the thing has to come off the front um the only thing is i broke one of the pins off mine uh the, the front um now un understand as well with with the, with the other brands of airbrushes if you practice shooting cleaner so frequently that paint can't set up in them you can still do the needle removal through the back so you don't oh, have yeah. to take that nozzle assembly yeah. off if you want to get the needle out. So that's not anything exclusive to Badger. Good ongoing maintenance in process makes any airbrush work better and more continuously. Oh, yes, I agree. Um, so just sort of, um, I know it's a bit all over the place, uh, but I'd like to, you know, just talk a bit about, um, first of all, where Badger started um that like where the name came from at what point did you realize you were gonna um create airbrushes um you know that sort of thing and there's got to be a, a story there that's interesting well it, it, i don't know about interesting um i mean for <laughs> first of all the name badger comes from the fact that no one would buy a slot belt airbrush um, so, so my dad decided to call it Badger. Um, but, but in any case, the way that Badger even came into being is my grandfather, uh, August Schlotfeld, used to make screw machine parts for Pache and Theron Chandler and Wold Airbrush, all companies that were located in the Chicago area. Uh, yeah. And this goes back to the uh, 1960s, early 1960s. And my dad was very intrigued by airbrush design. He was a foreman on, on a lot of the uh, machine jobs that ran airbrush parts. 
my father is responsible for Teflon seals and freestanding color cups being used in airbrushes today. That really? was his initial design concept. Wow. Uh, was to, there was a time back in the 60s where airbrushes, because your seal was essentially a metal on metal seal with parts tolerance so specifically that it was impossible for paint to seep to the back of the airbrush. So that seal was created to keep paint out of the trigger area by the metal parts themselves. Um, what would happen is because needles were always stainless steel and it are harder than brass, which is yeah. what the body's made out of, you would wear away the brass to the point where the seal would eventually be gone and yeah. you could no longer use the airbrush. You'd have to get a new airbrush essentially once that seal was, seal was gone. So my dad came up with the idea of uh, using Teflon seals inside the airbrush that could be replaced if they ever became worn out, which of course anyone who knows anything about Teflon knows that it's a very difficult material to wear out. Um, it, it lasts an extraordinarily long time uh, with it. And usually if someone's damaged a, a Teflon seal in their airbrush, it's because they've built up paint on the needle, let it harden and dry and set up. And then they've tried yeah. to pull the needle back through the back of the airbrush um, which again goes back to our prior subject. Um, and in doing yeah. so, they've changed the shape of that Teflon seal inside so the seal no longer works in it properly. Mm -hmm. But generally, um, my dad's idea was by having a replaceable seal, you didn't have to buy a new airbrush every time your seal needed to be changed. You just replaced the seal on the airbrush and therefore you were no longer spending, well, at the time, probably about $60 uh, on a on a new airbrush every time that occurred. Um, so that was the, um, my dad actually took his initial ideas to a company by the name of Theron Chandler, which was one of the companies they made parts for. They did not want to use my dad's design and uh, my dad didn't want to ruffle any feathers with any of the Walter Precision customers. Walter Precision was the name of my grandfather's company. Yeah. Um, and uh, he kind of let it go. And a couple years later, um, a guy by the name of August Jeske, who when I was a little uh, little kid, I used to call him Uncle Augie. Um, he came to my dad and said, I think I can sell your airbrushes. Well, he was the sales director at Theron Chandler, and he had basically just told George Thayer, take your job and shove it. Um, and uh, he came to my dad and said, I think I can sell your airbrushes. And at the time where, you know, laws and such were a little bit more liberal, he had the entire customer list at Theron Chandler and used it um, to sell Badger <laughs> airbrushes to Theron Chandler customers. I love it. And, uh, yeah. and that's, listen, that's not a practice that I'm bragging on. But at the time, it wasn't illegal to, to um, work in that manner. And uh, so that's how Badger came to be was through uh, um you know, my dad's designs uh, going into production and uh, um, having a customer list of, of Theron Chandler's. It's also, those were the same customers of Pache and Wold and, and other yeah. companies. Um, you know, it was a competitive industry back in the 60s. And uh, um, Badger got a foothold. But where Badger really, really took off um, is guys like you, because airbrushes at that time weren't used by uh, model painters. They were used by illustrators and photo retouchers and commercial illustration people. 
And Badger was really the first company to bring airbrushes into the fine scale modeling community for hobbyists who had been painting models with paintbrushes and stuff. And with paints at the time that, quite frankly, if you painted it with a brush and painted it with an airbrush, you could certainly tell the difference uh, yeah. in the two. And, uh, you know, that made the airbrush a popular, uh, popular tool once it became presented to that hobby community, which... You know, the credit for that actually goes to uh, my dad's neighbor uh, back at the time all this was happening, worked for Testers Corporation. And my dad showed, well, my dad showed him the airbrushes, which in the first year of Badger Airbrush, Badger fell on its face. I mean, no one was buying Badger Airbrushes despite having that customer list. And my dad showed it to his neighbor and, uh, you know, his neighbor told him, yeah, it's a great idea for painting models, but I don't think anyone's going to pay $60 for a tool to paint a model. So many of you may be familiar with our little 250 basic spray gun that yeah. a lot of people's kids started out with. Well, that was my dad's response to his indication that a $60 airbrush was too expensive. He designed that little spray tool that you could buy at the time for 10 to $15 and all of a sudden, Badger took off as a as a result of that. Uh, um, so so yeah, so that's how kind of how Badger came to be. Um, and uh, uh, going back to the name, uh, seriously, I don't think anyone would have ever bought bought a Schlottfeld airbrush, which that's my last name. So uh, fortunately, my dad called it Badger, and that came from the fact that August Jeske, the guy who came over from Theron Chandler, was originally from the state of Wisconsin which uh, Joshua knows, but the, you two may not. Um, Badger is the state animal. It's the mascot of Wisconsin. And oh. fortunately for us, badgers are very well-known and popular critters in uh, in the UK as well. Yeah, they're protected as well, as I believe. If you, you, know, if you hit a badger, um, you know, road, if you kill a badger driving, you've got to stop and notify the police. Um, yes. Well, usually, even if you hit a badger with your car, it's still going to spray well when you go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I might have to cut that out. <laughs> no, please don't. That's yeah, good. brilliant. I love it. Um, oh, you yeah, last throw me, that was. Um, <laughs> so... So I want to talk about the 3D primer. The ah, okay. Yes, the 3D primer. I want to talk about that. No, oh, go ahead, Josh. Take this one. So, so kind of when when you when you build up a 3D printer model with PLA, you have all those layer lines. So what? Striations. Okay. Um. What what is the 3D primer supposed to do? Like I. I kind of read some of the facts, but yeah. I'd let you talk about it. Well, here's the thing about 3D Prime. Um, a lot of people have used our Steinal Res Primer and enjoy using it on their models. And, of course, now you have so many more kits and figures being 3D printed. One of the downsides to Steinal Res is its fine coat coverage really almost it, it enhances details more than it does hide them at all. Yeah. And with 3D printing, that means your striations are still going to be very apparent, um, oh, yeah. you know, when you're done priming with Steinal Res. 
So one of the things we initially tried to do with Res was to add a, an ingredient to it that would provide a better filling um, characteristic to the primed piece um, when it was done. And quite frankly, it just wasn't possible. We couldn't get a stable formula uh, by adding materials that would do that to Res. Our chemists felt that in part that that was related to the water-based makeup of it uh, uh, as a primer, which, you know, if you've worked with other water-based primers, you'll know that um, they are sometimes lacking in some of the areas that Res is very strong in. Um, and, uh, uh, but in any case, um, so in water-based uh, formulas, you have some limitations in what you can add to it. Um, without destabilizing the uh, the constitution of the of the primer product itself, and that's what we ran into when we tried to get a filling uh, component added to the ingredient. So our chemists chose an entirely different path, and that was to essentially look at something that would just provide a filler coat um, that would bond and hold like a primer, um, but would serve as much as a filler coat. So his only intention in that formulation was to have a water-based product that simply filled. Um, that was its primary goal and purpose. That's what surface smoother is. So if you're familiar with the 3D prime product, um, you know that surface smoother, 3D prime surface smoother, is the necessary element of it to fill striations on it. You put on a coat of surface smoother, one to three coats, depending on the severity of the striations on the piece. And that that fills those striations and gives you a nice smooth surface. The interesting thing about it is surface smoother is translucent. So when you apply it, um, you still see the striations, but you're seeing them now through what is actually a smooth surface um, coat of, of surface smoother that's down there. You don't really see the effect of 3D Prime until you then put the color coat uh, primer over top of it, which is why now in 3D Prime, there's only white, black, and gray. And a lot of people ask right away, is the 3D Prime primer color coat Res? And it's actually not. Um, not that it couldn't be. Res works very well over surface smoother. But one of the things that our chemist acknowledged about 3D printed pieces is that they're extremely rigid. Um, PLA and uh, ABS and uh, uh, I forget what the other material is off the top of my head that's commonly used in 3D printing. You're dealing with a much more rigid uh, media. So one of the things he did with the color coat primers for 3D primers, we have a flex agent in Steinolres. So if you're someone, if you if you've got a model and you put Steinolres on it, and you twist and twerk it and stuff you'll find that it's not going to have any impact on the primer. It's going to bond to it and stick to it and not be impacted if you want to flex and move that model, which is a lot more common for figure painters than it is for guys who paint armor and uh, and aircraft and, and stuff of that nature. But in any case, the Res has a flex agent to it. He actually took that out of the Res and added a hardening agent to it um, that would give it a greater durability on a rigid um, object more so that isn't going to be flexed. Matter of fact, it's kind of interesting because I know you guys, 
this is actually this little bottle. This is kind of like the secret sauce uh, that was taken out. That what was taken out of Steinol res. This is the hardening agent that gets added to it in replacement for that to make it a better primer on a 3D printed object that's likely to be far more rigid than a styrene piece or uh, uh, or resin or something like that. So, but that's what 3D prime is about. The surface smoother is really the key item with it um, because that's what provides the filling that Steinol Res itself doesn't. The 3D prime color coat primer, um, the difference there is that that's just a more suitable uh, primer coating for a more rigid object. Uh, you could actually just buy surface smoother and put Steinol Res over top of surface smoother if you wanted to. Um, but 3D Prime is sold as a kit that has all three colors. It's actually sold as uh, surface smoother and individual colors. And then each of the uh, items, the white, black, and gray, and surface smoother are sold individually as so, well. So. so I must have misunderstood. So you use, you don't use both products together? What do you mean by together? You mean mix them? Yeah. No. You put them on in separate applications so the surfacer first then the paint right yes that's okay and the, 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 depending again on the on the severity or striations that's and part of it is you'll have to develop some time and experience with it to realize based on the severity or striations how many coats of surface smoother you want to put on something a lot of that has to do with scale of the figure um is is well that you're working on um because obviously your striations tend to scale down to the scale of the piece that you're printing um, as well. So, yeah, I had um, so when I got my first 3D printer, I got the Creality Ender 3. Um, I printed off a, it was quite a large scale Dobby from Harry Potter, my daughter. Um, she's a big Harry Potter fan, especially of Dobby. And I created this, uh, so he's about 13 inches tall. And he was one of the first things I created on my 3D printer. And he had dreadful striations. Um, and I spent, I think I worked it out, it was over 100 hours of standing and filling um, to get him to have smooth skin it was an absolute nightmare if i'd have had something like your product around at the time that would have been uh an absolute uh it would have been a prayer answer that honestly it was um you know it took so much time to get the them, them striations sorted um and unfortunately for me it wasn't long after I'd, I'd, I'd finished Dobby. I'd, I'd put many, many hours into sorting him out. And then you came out and announced that you'd brought out this 3D uh, printer primer. Um, yeah, well, we were actually we were waiting for you to finish sanding that piece yeah. before we it, launched it. it. It did feel a bit like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this, this is it, Ken. It, it became a bit of a standing joke because normally if we put a hangout up, well, oh, what are you working on tonight then, Mark? What are you working on tonight, Josh? 
that sort of thing. And it was, yeah, I'm still sanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I finished. Well, I got it. You know, one of the things that, that needs to be pointed out, though, I mean, if you're talking about extremely severe striations to the point where, you know, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to fill them because you'd end up hiding so much detail trying to do that. You know, sometimes you might not have an option, but you might have been able to do less sanding and then put surface smoother. Again, I mean, this this isn't some some miracle thing that you know we're talking about normal three D print striation type stuff. I mean, I'm not certain yeah. with the piece that you did um, what you're uh, necessarily referring to, but you know we're talking about typical. And, and listen, I'm no expert on three D printing, not even close to it. I what I know about it, I've learned from people who do a lot of 3D printing. The two guys who assisted us with this, um, one uh, 3D prints about 600 pieces of terrain a week. Um, and the other is one who is really into uh, uh, his company prints architect uh, architectural uh, 3D print models. So everything's one off. And he, he is one of the things I learned in 3D prime development is that architectural modeling is one of the largest segments of modeling there is anywhere. Um, yeah, there's a really. lot more architectural modeling being done than uh, than scale model uh, armor and aircraft and stuff like that. Um, wow. One of the guys, one of the guys we worked with on that, his company did nothing but one-offs for architectural modeling. So all those times you you see a skyscraper go up. There's always a model of it built first yeah. or parking garage. There's a model of yeah. it built first. And he was an incredible resource because every architectural model that's 3D printed now, because it's the most efficient way to do it, it still has to be painted um, before that model can be assembled so that architectural model can be shown to the client um, for it. And, uh, um, so we had a couple of absolutely wonderful test resources uh, for us as we developed that product. And uh, um, so, but, it, you know, we're not claiming it's something that will, um, you, you know, magically touch your figure and remove the striations, but it'll fill far better than anything else that we're uh, aware of on the market, including our own Steinal Res, which uh, because, it, part of part of the reason we did that was a lot of people were telling us they were using Steinalres on their 3D printed pieces, but they were using it over automotive primers, which are you know far more volatile. Yeah, um, I do. But they needed the automotive primer to do the filling uh, for them, so that's why the goal of Surface Smoother became providing that filling characteristic that they were using automotive primers to do. So Yeah, I, I use, uh, I have used automotive primers for, for various things. Um, I've still got a load actually up there. That's what I use my Posh H for, is for the automotive primer anymore. Yeah, it's... Um, so... So... It's... I've, uh, I've I've completely lost my thread. Can somebody? Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I get these moments, Ken, where I've I've got everything sort of sorted out in my head, and then all of a sudden, for no reason, I've completely lost the thread. 
Um, yeah. I can't remember uh, the, the, the sections that I'd got planned or anything like that. Yeah. Who's Gilbert? Austin. <laughs> he's he's going to listen to this, and yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna get it, Ken. <laughs> no, Gilbert's a brother. <laughs> Gilbert, if you're listening, take good care of Mama. Yeah, Gilbert's probably listening, and he's face palming at the moment. He's like, "Oh my God, what this is a car wreck." Um, <laughs> So another thing you, that you do each year, um, I missed out on this year uh, purely because I didn't have the finances, but you do your birthday. Um, I don't know whether it's a club. Um, but yeah, well, sale. But each year you, you make an offer. You give something back to people and you offer them airbrushes at incredible prices um they are they, they you know I, there's no other way of explaining it they are incredible prices well, you're talking about our annual now annual happy birthday uh yeah. offer and uh the <laughs> the story behind that is uh, um i i, I don't want to consume too much time with it but um in 2018, well, understand that my birthday is January 4th, okay, a couple days after New Year's. Historically, for Badger Airbrush Company, January is the slowest month that we have. Um, you know, everyone's our, bought their Christmas airbrushes and, uh, you know, their, uh, uh, their Christmas gift supplies. January tends to be pretty light on orders. So, uh <laughs> January 4th of 2018, um, I woke up and I said, you know what? I'm going to do something really goofy. So I <laughs> our, understand our Facebook page, when we do a post, it's usually seen by three to 5,000 people. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll get, I don't know, a few hundred likes on it. So anyhow, January 4th, 2018, I get up and that morning I go down to my phone and I just so you know, I do all the Facebook on my phone and I'm the guy who does all the Badgers Facebook stuff. So I go down and I go, today's a special occasion. It's my birthday. I can still remember most of the posts. Today's a special occasion. It's my birthday. And as a gift to you for my birthday, you can get any Badger airbrush. Uh, for the dollar amount equivalent to my age. And that year I was turning 54. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I won't uh, um, reiterate the entire post. Um, what happened within the next couple hours was absolutely crazy. And finally, the office called. And <laughs> after I did the post, I didn't do anything. I just left it alone. I put the post out there. And the office called me and they said, we're getting phone calls. People want to know if someone's hacked our Facebook page um, <laughs> because they're saying we're selling airbrushes for $54. And uh, so, I, so I went back and checked the post. I told the office, said, no, it's perfectly legit. And what I actually did was in, in order to take advantage of that, I, I made up a... Uh, uh, an email address. It was uh, Badger Airbrush Co. at AOL.com. So just to give you an idea how well thought out that was, um, I was still an AOL guy at the time. 
So I, I made up Badger Airbrush Co. at AOL.com. Well, what you had to do to get a $54 Airbrush, you had to send an email within the subject box. It had to just say, happy 54th birthday. And that was it. You sent that email and you were eligible to get a $54 Airbrush. I figured based on the normal Facebook response that we get three to 5,000 people, 300 people might respond to it. So I got to take care of 300 people uh, with this. Well, after the office called and said, hey, someone wants to know if we, people want to know if someone hacked our Facebook page. I went back to Facebook and this post had been shared already. I think the first time I checked, it was like 600 times. And, <laughs> and the views on it were already uh, well north of, uh, of 8,000 at the time. And we're talking just a couple hours later. By the time all was said and done, uh, the post was viewed by over 200,000 people. Um, it was shared, God, I don't even remember now, it was north of, of, of a thousand times it got shared. And where I thought we'd get 300 emails, we got 12,000 uh, <laughs> emails on this. And, uh, but um, it, it was kind of fun because, first of all, one of the things we're kind of notorious for at Badgers, we don't plan anything. Um, we kind of make it up as we go along, always do the best we can. And we've always tend to come out pretty much on the right side of things when we, when we go about things in that manner. So my wife and I actually spent the better part of two weeks watching, binge watching law and order from the beginning and responding to 12,000 emails with <laughs> what people needed to do. Uh, to get their Badger Airbrush for $54. And we realized at that point in time that, first of all, I was nuts and should probably be killed um, <laughs> for having done that. Um, but um, 3,300 people ordered airbrushes and took one of our slowest months and made it a very busy month uh, for it. And we knew it was the first time we really saw the power of Facebook um, and, and what it can do. Um, if you're absurd enough to utilize it in the way that we did. Um, and because the first year went so well in the response, a lot of hiccups in the process because it was all made up as we went along with it. But by the time we, we knew we were going to do it again the next year, we actually had an ordering site set up the next year, went much smoother. Honestly, the second year, I didn't think we'd sell as many airbrushes in the first year because I was like, Everyone ordered last year. Why the heck is anyone going to order again this year? But uh, the second year actually ended up uh, with 4,400 airbrushes uh, ordered. And now this year, this last year, uh, we had, uh, I want to say it was about 3,500 airbrushes ordered. So so I think uh, it, it's an annual event now that people who want to get a Badger airbrush at an exceptional uh, uh, cost, they can do that. We don't make it, uh, our normal margins on it. But it feels good to do a lot of goodwill type stuff and people that otherwise might be unable to get a Badger airbrush, uh, um, you know, because it just doesn't fit into their budgetary uh, uh, management at the time, do get that opportunity once a year to get it. And, and you know, one of the things that's really cool about it, and we've, we've always been transparent about it, it takes us a long time to fill those orders because we're doing it in addition to what our normal production is. Um, to people and uh, 
So we, we tell people it's gonna take a while to get the whole thing done. The patience that the community um, exercises is, is actually oftentimes heartwarming, um, you know, because my employees do everything they can to get those additional airbrushes um, um, done as quickly as they can while still maintaining the pipeline for all of our distributors and dealers who provide airbrushes to the uh, community the, the every other day of the year besides January 4th. So, so yeah, that's what happy birthday is all about. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing uh, actually. And it's turned out to be something that we're going to do every year. And, you know, uh, eventually I'll get old enough that we might make a few bucks on it. Do you, do you not worry that people will slow down buying through the rest of the year and wait for that birthday period? We, we haven't seen that. And one of the things that happens as a result of this, um, and I don't want to, you know, seem cavalier about it all, but the perpetuation of publicity that happens with this each year is people get their badger airbrush and they post a picture of it yeah. and uh, uh, stuff like that. I think has actually turned out to be a public relations and advertising tool um, for us as well. And, and every year without fail, we get a large number of people who um, contact us because they're upset they missed out on it. They didn't know about it. They want to know if they can still get it which of course they can't, you know, sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, because at that point in time, they now have a, a a mindset and desire to possibly get a badger airbrush. If they don't want to wait till the next January 4th, they have to get it through the normal pipeline um, that's out there. And we have a lot of great dealers globally and distributors that make our product available every day uh, for people who want to get it and buy it, whether it's because, they saw someone post the the happy birthday airbrush they got, or simply because, you know, the numerous people who enjoy using our product uh, uh, tend to be uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty supportive of us and recommend our brand when people do that. So that pipeline's still there, and I think one of the keys to it, not everyone wants to wait three, four, five months to get an airbrush, um, you know. So those are the people that rely on the normal distribution channel to get stuff and we do keep that pipeline filled on a normal basis despite the additional happy birthday guns that need to be produced every year yeah i mean i've got uh i have to save for my um sota and i in fact had to i in the end i sold my iwata custom now is it a custom eclipse um, uh, it'd be a that. custom micron. It'd, it'd be a custom micron. Um, yeah, it might have been a custom micron. I sold that so that I had the money to buy my Sotar 2020 because I'm I was sort of getting into figures and detail painting, and to me, um, everyone is sort of this is on the lips of whenever you mention uh, sort of detail painting or figure painting, Sotar 2020 is right up there. Um, and it's a beautiful airbrush. It's um, not like uh, many of the others that are out there. And, and, and now it comes in gold. Yeah, and it's a birthday one. Yeah, yeah. it comes in gold. I mean, <clears throat> well, oh, man. If yeah. I, I just didn't have the money for, for that at the time. Otherwise, yeah, that definitely would have been added to my collection. Um, 
it's certainly something that uh, your birthday brushes bring that uh, you don't get at other times. The design, the colour of them, they're always different. Um, and you've got that little, so on these ones, you I think you had stamp 56 birthday or something on, on you'd well, done that, a gold notar and a... Yeah, that, that was something, just, just so you know what that was. Um, one of the things we did this year when we, you know, we knew we were going to do the uh, happy birthday promotion again, but we did ask our followers if there's anything we could do to make it uh, better um, uh, for them. And we took some of those suggestions and uh, one of the most common suggestions because of the wait time oftentimes involved with the happy birthday promo, one of the most common suggestions was to do kind of like a pre happy birthday promo. And another suggestion was to do something to make the happy birthday airbrushes custom. And, uh, what we did with that was actually we did a front of the line offer in November. Yeah, I was that, in on that. Uh, yeah, and and that's and that's how people the gold airbrush that you're talking about we did we took the four most popular airbrushes the Sotar the Chrome the Patriot and the Extreme Patriot and those were the only four airbrushes offered in November and they were offered on a custom basis. They would be in the case of the Sotar it's plated gold. In the case of the other three, which are normally um, um, uh, nickel chrome plated, <clears throat> those were plated black um, this year. And um, on the side opposite our normal marking, the airbrush, we custom engraved uh, Badger Happy 56th Birthday on those. That's what the line custom limited edition. Uh, of our followers. Um, so, um, but yeah, that's what part of the line was. We'll probably Sorry, do that again uh, if we can figure out a way to do it uh, different. So it's not just redundant. Here. Uh, apologies to listeners there. Have we got an audio problem? Is it just me? So what else? Sorry? Getting froze. Sorry. Uh, hang on, on a second. Oh, your you your me? video's froze. It's just I can hear like an audio, I can hear like a cell phone buzzing. <laughs> oh, I'm... can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah we can hear you. Yeah, you can. It's just your video's froze. That's all. Yeah, it's not a problem. Can you still hear? Sorry, it? guys, I'm I'm losing you. I can't hear you right now. Oh dear, what a shame. Um, I don't know what the problem is. It or oh, <clears throat> frustrating. Uh, can you still hear us? Barely. Barely. Okay. Um. Okay, let's give it a few minutes. And we can come back, see whether things clean up a bit, and we can uh, wrap things up. Maybe he'll try to reload. Yeah. So, 
So, John, what are you working on? I've almost finished the uh, SU-35. Christ, I don't think it took that long when they built the real thing. <laughs> I've, just, I've, just, I've just got the edges to finish, doing the, the metal work on the back. It is a um, good looking. He's, he's done an amazing job with that model, I've got to say. And uh, I dug a, an old kit out that I built back in the 90s. Oh, there, there we go. We've got Ken coming back in. Sorry, John, we just got Ken coming back in. I need to bring him back in the stream. Hello. Sorry about that, guys. I had a call coming in. I'm doing this on my phone, and I think it knocked me out. So. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd, I'd said I heard a phone buzzing. So, yeah. We were just, uh, we were just yeah, asking. That, that, that was me. What would you guys say about me while I was gone? <laughs> oh, you, you were dreadful. We. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we, we couldn't wait for you to be gone, but you come back, so <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get my revenge for that that prank with Gil. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we were just asking uh John what he'd been up to this week. Um he's he's been I don't know if you've seen been working on oh, the flanker. Very nice. He's done a very nice job of that, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, it's, what, what, four months I've been on it? Yeah. Yeah, quite quite some time. But, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've just, I'm just using my, uh, my SOTAR at the minute to uh, do my exhaust stating. <laughs> oh, sweet. But uh, yeah, the this, this this flank has got the the thrust thrust vectoring nozzles on it, so yeah. I've been using using me twenty twenty on them because it's more like ink than paint. Yeah, um, I use my I've got the twenty twenty, which I use for. Um, uh, well, Ken, with the twenty twenty, when I bought it, it came with a second needle. Why is that? Why did it have two um, needles? The, the one you bought, was it in like a little jewelry box type packaging? Well, it was in like a cardboard box. Um, it had got it came like that, and then it had another one of these. Um, yeah. What, what that is, is um, the foam that's inside that box always had an additional cutout in it for an additional needle. Yeah. So, because of that, we we've always put an additional needle. It's the same needle as the one you have. So, oh, um, if you brilliant. if you happen to somehow damage the needle you have, you already have a replacement. the The current version of that gun excludes that because it's now available in just the black plastic box that we have. Um, that yeah. the old Legend series airbrushes come in. Um, but yeah, so you actually bought it at a time prior to our removing that additional needle so yeah excellent so what's josh working on i i, I see what uh i've gone you've got yeah, that's box. that's that's it john that's actually a more recent version of it that's already been changed also that set there 
It now comes in a black plastic case, hard case. So I, I, I do a lot of figures. Um, Josh is trying. Josh is like a, a modern day Frankenstein. Yeah. He's trying to build a 3D robot. Um, it's massive. Where where is it, Josh? A little bit ago, when I was when you were talking about the 3D primer, I'll go get the body. The oh, yeah. This, have you seen this, Ken? Have you seen this thing he's been making out of his 3D printer? I, I don't think so, but I think I'm about to. Yeah, it's massive. It's, that, it's, it's massive. I, I wear medium gloves, and that's, you know. That's just the body. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's just You're going to need a lot of 3D prime for that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's well, He's going to take all your stock. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I bet he's not far off three foot tall at the minute. He's not got a head yet. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. when you put the legs on, the, oh, cool. man. He's just waiting for a bolt of lightning. And, um, <laughs> the thing's going to take this off. This is what we're working on right now. Oh, so we get, are we getting a sneak peek at this? Which one is that? Yeah, do you know what this is? This is actually the Reaper Vex. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. It looks. If you're familiar like with the company that. Reaper Miniatures, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm friends with the owners there, and they have wanted Badger to do an airbrush for them for some time. Um, and uh, all they ever really wanted was a Patriot with their name on it. Which I, if we do something for somebody. It has to have some unique design element to it or difference to it that doesn't make it just a badger airbrush with their name on it. So um, if you happen to catch last week's um, badger live feed on Sunday, um, Josh, I know you did. Um, we talked a little bit about the Reaper Vex, which is going to be their airbrush. And the cool thing about this airbrush is that um, the the design the needle nozzle design of this has a mating of parts that enables you to change the spray performance of the airbrush from a fine dot fine line airbrush to a fine mist uh, um, airbrush by simply taking one needle out and putting another needle in and the rationale behind that was that many artists artists tend to paint two di paint different ways and two of the most pronounced categories of painting is a lot of people paint in little tiny pixel areas at a time, trying to, you know, just apply the finest dots and building up their entire finish little sectors at a time where others do a lot of layering and blending of colors to get to the finish that they want to have on their figure or their model. And those two different spray performances of the airbrush created by just changing in and out a needle, um, create a, a, a proficiency in both of those different styles uh, of airbrushing that doesn't currently exist in any airbrushes on the market um, that enable the the artist to do or if he wants to, which many of them do. So that's what the Reaper Vex is. Uh, which I do know this is something that is likely to be very available 
in the UK. Launchkeeper has a uh, UK division. Oh, I didn't know. Actually, I didn't know. So that's that. what we're doing new. Um, Not as cool as yeah. Josh's 3D monster, but I think it's pretty cool <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you a bit about your primer um, because often you'll hear in groups uh, somebody mention a primer and then somebody else will say it's just badger. So how do you feel when you hear statements like that? Because, I mean, bad, badger primer is well known to be um, one of the best, if not the best primers out there. Um, in terms of modeling, uh, it, it really is at the top of the list. So you then give it to other companies to um, uh, to give out under their brand, yeah. but it's essentially your product. Um, yeah, we... we I understand that uh, in Europe, um, ammo one shot is Steinel Res. It's yeah. it's under Ammo's branding, um, and in the UK, uh, uh, Ultimate Modeling Products, the Yump uh, primer is is also Steinel Res. Uh, we don't hide that. We don't broadcast it because you know it's it's not really our our place to do that because we've given. Uh, Ump and, and Ammo, you know, the uh, they came to us asking if we would private brand it for them, and we have no problem doing that. I mean, we've we've done private label airbrushing for years, you know, Snap-on Tools airbrushes, uh, the old Sears Craftsman airbrush, um, Sada, which is an industrial spray gun company. We make all of those airbrushes. Uh, you guys are probably aware that. We make the ammo airbrush. We also make the ump um, apex airbrush for them. Um, that's something a lot of companies do. It's a it's a way to take advantage of the good relationships you have with good people. I mean, Lee and Paul at Ump, uh, I consider them friends. Uh, I enjoy working with them. Um, Mig Jimenez, uh, Miguel's been a friend of mine for quite some time. He's one of the few people who could bear hug me and actually lift me off the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, on an airbrush because we were friends. He didn't, the first, the only place he, me, because he knows the quality of my product. And, you know, there's a certain, there's a good feeling about knowing that you do something well enough uh, and people have enough confidence in you that they want to put their name on it uh, themselves. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's yeah, what that, that's all about. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't see anything that dilutes the quality of the product. If nothing else, um, you know, Ump's private branding of it, Ammo's private branding of it, probably makes it more accessible to you than it otherwise might be. Um, simply yeah. because yeah. those are yeah. I mean, known right. entities in Europe that, that have you're, strong you're names, right. and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that was going to be my next observation. You know, were you not worried that it was going to dilute the quality of the Badger brand? But I have um, no. Uh, when I when I mean, I've had a hard, harder in Steenbeck. I've had an Iwata, but at the moment, 
both my brushes are badger i've got the uh sotar 2020 and my other one is the ump apex um okay which is also which is badger. also a badger yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well and just say so you know those other brands that that you have don't put those away those are i mean how many paint brushes do you have Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I've uh, probably got about 15, 20 there, but uh, there's probably okay. about 300 so, in the drawer. So there's a rationale behind having multiple airbrushes also in that each one might do something a little bit differently um, yeah. for you. You know, my only guidance there is try to stay within reputable brands that um, you know you can rely on them from both the performance standpoint and the support standpoint, um, and when you're talking about brands like Hotter and Steambeck, Iwata, Pache, Badger, um, you know that there's companies behind them, so they all might do something unique for you that uh, gives you reason to have them and, and use them, just like all the different paintbrushes you have. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, I don't think a good artist should lock himself in. Uh, to a certain brand or a specific no. brand, and uh, um, no. you know why? Why? Why do that? Because I know there's things that I want airbrushes may do something better in a certain application than the comparable Badger airbrush might, and vice versa. There might be something the Badger airbrush in that comparable um, model airbrush does better than the Iwata. So you know, an no. artist has to. Uh, define, choose, and use the best tool for what he's trying to accomplish at any given time, and to limit yourself in the tools you make available to do it with uh, yeah. doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But my 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 point there was the fact that uh, I'd as I've progressed through the hobby, um, and I'm I'm on a very limited budget understand that uh i'm on a very limited budget that both my airbrushes have ended up being i've ended up with um badger um i've 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 had harder and steenbeck i've had iwata and in the end i've settled with well not settled because that's a horrible term in the end i've gone with uh, sotar 2020 and the uh, UMP Apex, they've both turned out to be the best brushes that I've found for the money. I've traded in um, the Harder and Steenbeck. I traded in the Iwata. The Iwata I traded in well, for the Sotar 2020, and um, I don't well, regret it. One of, the key, one of the key things that you said there is one of the things that I did fail to mention before, when you talked about the difference in, in brands, uh, you, when you made the statement for the money, th that is one area that I do think we are possibly the best value on the airbrush market um, oh, in, in terms of that, because I, I do think we, we offer an extraordinarily high level of performance quality at a, at a very, very fair price. Um, for it and so in that regard and that's not listen hotter and steamback and iwata i'm sure they price their products based on what it costs them to make it yes. um and badger yeah, does the same and for whatever reasons 
were able to bring a product of high performance quality to the market at a more appealing price to the budget conscious consumer than some of our competitors. Yeah. And I would tell you, Pache falls into that same category I as, mean, as we are. I've worked, uh, I worked in engineering uh, early on. I'd done an engineering apprenticeship and I worked in manufacturing and um, I worked for a company that done, uh, they'd done parts for a very well-known talk bar. I'm not going to say any more on that. But um, when I watched, one of the biggest things I saw, when I watched Gil and you walk around your factory, um, the whole thing just reminded me of, I, I know it's a family-run business, and it was just, it was just, I've, I've worked in that sort of environment, in a small sort of factory with people that know each other, that work with each other daily. And um, I was impressed. I was impressed with what I saw. Um, you, you've got a really tremendous team working for you. Um, and uh, I can't stress that enough. That um, yeah, when when you work with people like that, they're not you 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 know that they're um, rambling a bit, but um, they're they're probably the best people in that and, field. And you're absolutely right about that. One thing I can speak to is the fact that the thirty people in this building care extraordinarily greatly about how they go about their work and, and making certain the product works as best possible when it gets to the end user. And I'll be the first to tell you that we're not perfect. You know, we strive for perfection, but there are times that for whatever reason, an airbrush might get to its final destination and, and something might not work the way it did when it was tested in our factory, but we'll do everything in our power. You know, any reasonable thing we can do, We'll do it to make certain at the end of the day, you get the, you know, what you expected out of the, out of the product. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, our, our people care greatly about it and I don't want to, you know, go off onto a, a rah-rah badger thing. That's not our style. Uh, we know what we do. We care greatly about it. There's enough people who can speak on what they get from our product and we just enjoy doing it. And, you know, we care about the end result because we care about the people who have the confidence in us to choose our product uh, and use our product. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys giving someone like me a format to talk about it. Uh, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, I, I, I do have to get cutting away here now. I hope you don't mind my dropping out on you. No, um, that's fine. Just, just but, quickly, where can people go to get uh, Badger Airbrush? Um, in the U in the UK, um, Barwell Body Works is a direct source. The hobby company in Milton Keynes can tell you uh, hobby dealers and distributors that carry Badger product. Uh, in the US, there's a lot of good sources: um, Squadron, uh, Mega Hobby, CompetitionMinis.com, Miniature Market, USAAirbrushSupply.com spraygunner.com um i could go on um naturally you can find our product on amazon 
Um, if you're in Europe, uh, which I understand the UK is in Europe. Yes, I know. Um, but uh, if you're in mainland Europe, um, uh, uh, internationaltrade.eu, which is intl-trade.eu, um, offers Badger product. There's other uh, dealers throughout Europe uh, online that you can find our products uh, with. And uh, yeah, so uh, uh, if you have a hard time finding it, shoot us an email. It might take us a few days to get back to you, but we'll do our best to respond on it. You know, that is one of the downsides for us in uh, in our current uh, uh, world is, you know, Badger is a family-owned business, and we're actually rather small. People think we're large because we're global. Um, we're not that big of a company. And sometimes, you know, when you have one person whose responsibility is to answer the emails that come to customer service, but that same person is also entering orders and, uh, uh, and uh, I don't know, filing the invoices that have been paid. You know, they don't always get to those customer service emails right away. It may take a few days to do it. Um, and, you know, we just ask, be patient. We're always doing the best we can to get everything that we need to get done, done, including customer service emails. Um, but, We'll always uh, be here and try to do the best we can when we do it. And if you have a hard time finding our product, you know, drop us an email and we'll do the best we can to help you locate it. Excellent. Well, I just want to thank Ken for taking the time to be with us. Um, it's been great having you on, Ken. Thank you so much for uh, making the time for us. It really is a big thing for us here at Sprucast. Uh, many thanks to you. Um and uh goodbye. Uh obviously Ken. Josh, John, Mark, Gil, take care. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Ken. Thanks a lot, Ken. Cheers. Bye. And there we go. He's gone. So that was a great uh look into badger airbrushes. Um learn a little bit more about uh where they came from and what's going on um and there we are we're back to reality now um i'm still locked in um, so, so mark what are you working on we never really got to you really i'm really working on keeping my bladder from bursting at the moment <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah um so I've been working on, I'm working on the Iveco Ford Highway. Um, um, is that a plane? No, it's a truck. Truck, okay. I don't know, what would it be a truck in America or do you call it a lorry? What do we, we'd call it a lorry, wouldn't we, John? Oh, John's gone. Um, yeah, so a lorry, a HGV, heavy goods vehicle. Uh, oh, okay. Big heavy-duty truck, got it. Yeah. So I've been working on that. Um, I've, I've got the engine, uh, you know, I'm sort of working on the engine at the moment, detailing the various pieces of it. Um, that's where I'm at at the moment. So lots of uh, small areas that I'm painting, copper, um, dull aluminium, gunmetal, uh, some yellow, flat black, you know, that sort of thing. 
all very small pieces being detailed. So I'm, I'm currently there. I did finish my P61C, um, which is sat behind me at the moment. There are pictures of that up on Spruecast. I do uh, want to actually take some better pictures of that, though. Um, currently, I, the ones I've taken have been out in the garden, and they just don't look very good. Uh, the ones where I've held, I had to hold the aircraft, the, the the model up, and I took some with the blue sky in the background, and it's put a heavy cast on the plane, which I'm not happy about. Um, so I need to improve those. So, yeah, I finished the P61C. I'm now working on the Iveco Highway 40th anniversary version. Um, although I'm very tempted to put that to one side and drag out the A-10. And Gordon's going to tell you why I want to drag the A-10 out while I go... Hey, Gordon, what's an A-10? And release my bladder. Gordon, what's an A-10? A-10 tank buster. Oh, the, okay. Th okay, Thunderbolt. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, <clears throat> I yeah because... Basically, what it is... The last, what, four kits that I've built have taken me months. So it's like taking me 12 months near enough to build four kits. And I dug a kit out a fortnight ago that I built back in the 90s. And I decided to sand it down and give it a new coat of paint and uh, redo it. And because it's taking such a long time, to do these and get the paint finished and do the intricate work on it. I want something nice and simple that I could just build out of the box. So this afternoon I went through my stash. I'm thinking, now I don't want to build a bike, that's gonna take too long. No, that's that's gonna to take too long. I stumbled on the two seat A10. I thought there's something that's nice and simple that I can build with just what's in the box. So I dug that out this afternoon and I've got the wings together. And that's it. I'm just going to build it out of the box with nothing else, something nice and simple for a change. And Mark goes, oh, I've got that, so let's do a buddy build. <laughs> well, you know. So. Yeah, you've been looking at me. <laughs> well, this is it, Mark's he's done his um, his Black Widow, right? And with a little bit of coaching and a little bit of advice, he's actually built and painted something that he never thought he'd be able to do. No, this is true. Um it's and you know what? It's it's weird because um Gordon's given me advice all the way through. And um, I'm absolutely certain that what I've painted, in fact, I know because I've seen photos of uh, P61C uh, uh, in sort of situ, as it were. I've seen them in flight, um, so I know exactly how they look. And I've created um, a very passable uh, version. But the thing is um, that I... 
I'm not a fan of weathered planes. Now, I don't know whether this goes back to the fact that I can't weather planes. As a rule, I'm no good at weathering planes. Oh, you can now. But yes, Gordon's helped me, and I have weathered this plane well, but I don't know that I feel um, how I feel about it. Um I don't know. I'll leave people to go and have a look at it and make their own mind up. Um, I will say that the the plane that I've weathered, the model that I've built, I have been very restrained in the weathering. Um, Gordon advised a lot more, and the photos did, in fact, suggest that they needed weathering a lot more than what I've done. This plane got absolutely battered um the the images i saw uh it wasn't it just looked an absolute wreck you wouldn't want to fly one of these things because you'd think it'd fall out of the sky um but uh there you go you know gordon's advised me he's a very good advisor um he gave me some great tips um so if ever you're stuck and you're not sure what to do Drop us a line on the the Spruecast page. You can um, you can just put for Gordon or uh, you know for Oracle or whatever you want to call him because he's got so many names it's unbelievable. Um, and just tell him you know ask him a question, and uh, you know we'll bring him up on the the Spruecast each week and answer them for you so uh yeah yeah do that because uh gordon at the moment is he's got so much talent and information just stored there um it's like a big watermelon with loads of uh information and hair and glasses and uh i'll get carried away here Imagination's running wild. I could. I was just looking at a watermelon on it. I'm thinking of the Muppets now as well. I don't, anyway, send him, for God's sake, send him a message. Um, with that said, Josh, is there anything you want to add about tonight? No, I mean, we pretty much covered everything airbrush related. So... Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm. Yeah, we did. I mean, it's been a. It's I don't been know how, how it is around the rest of the world, but we're all in the UK. We're in lockdown, so we're not allowed out. Um, it's been a week, so we've been seven days. I don't know whether it's the same in America. Um, so really, at this stage, we're just looking for, you know, things to do really. Um, things to occupy our mind. Um, I came up myself. I thought I went through my brushes today, um, just cleaning them, um, putting them. Uh, I used my soap, uh, not the soap, the, the brush conditioner that you get in the brown screw-on lid, and then I've repointed a lot of them. Um, I've also been through and reorganized my paint. So there's a couple of ideas, you know, if you're stuck for something to do, um, it well, is hard. Well, this is it, indeed. 
now's the time why some people have got time on their hands to strip your airbrush down. Give your air good, airbrush a damn good deep clean. Yeah, yeah, that's and it. Yeah, so as you said, Mark, you've gone through your paintbrushes and stuff. That's something that's on my to do list, right? Uh, another thing on my to do list is to go through all my paints and find out what's got paint in and what are empty tins and what jars and stuff and have a good clean out and sort the bench yeah. out and little things like housekeeping things, just like that to make life a little bit easier for yourself. You know, those those little jobs that you have during a normal modelling week where you think to yourself, I should really do this or I should really tidy this desk up. I should really sort them paints out. I should really go through my app and put all my paints on there so I know what I've got. Or I should really make a shopping list of all the items I need that you never do. These are all uh, items you never do. Uh, now you've got loads of time. There's no excuse. Go and do them. You'll be surprised how much um, you can get done. Um, and it will take up time and, you know... It will help you in the long run as well. Josh, have some insightful advice. So for me, I, I have, I've been working. I've been lucky enough. I'm still working. Lucky so I, I, yeah, and I don't know how, how much longer that's going to be. I mean, you know, it, it seems like, but for the most part, I try to, even though my wife and son are home, I try to give my wife a break because a seven-year-old can, you know, ruin your self-esteem real quick. Oh, yes. Huh. Um, but that still doesn't mean, you know, I don't make time for this either. You know, it's you just got to plan your day out and kind of keep make sure you make time for yourself also while you're going through this. Are you in the same? It, it's sorry to put in there, Josh, but are you in the same? Is it the same position over there? Have your jobs all been stopped apart from um, what they class as most um, essential? I, I'm. I believe me. I, I'm going to say essential worker, and then I'm going to tell you what I do after that. But yes, I I, I got classified as an essential worker. Um. But there's in Oregon, they basically laid off gathering places like restaurants, right? Nose, yeah, um, I'm with you, that kind of stuff, malls. Um, but it seems like, and jobs were like if you're two feet away from each other while you're working, those are going away, but. And then there's places like California, like city of San Francisco is on like a complete lockdown. You're, you're not, you're not even allowed to go to the store, I believe. Yeah. I think Las Vegas is the same. And I, I could be wrong on that. I don't live in California. I live the state above them in Oregon. So yeah, it's just crazy. Um, and it seems like other states are doing kind of their own thing on what you can and can't do. I got the essential letter 
saying I can at least go to work if I need to, but they're not enforcing that part yet. Yet is the key word. Um, yeah, you're, you're, um, wow, it's because I, I saw pictures of Las Vegas today. Yeah, it's crazy. It's dead. <laughs> it's absolutely dead there. Yeah, because none um, of the casinos are up and running. And then once you get kind of away from the strip, you have like social bars for the people that work in the strip. Yeah. And it's like they're not able to go there. So it's like Vegas is pretty much a ghost town at this point. It's incredible that um, I can't – under. I hate this word because it's getting used so much lately, but it is the most um, apt word for the situation. It's unprecedented. And I get absolutely sick to the back teeth of hearing that word, unprecedented. But it's true. It is. There's, there's been nothing. Even in World War II, um, things didn't shut down in the UK like they have now. Um, I don't know about World War One, but definitely in World War Two, things did not shut down the way they have now. Um, well, you still had shops opening during the day. Everything is locked down here. Um, somebody got arrested the other day. They're already serving a year sentence because they coughed. Um, they uh, granted they coughed in the direction of a police officer, which was a stupid thing to do. Um, but they've been they've been sentenced, and it, within four days they've been sentenced, and they're in jail for a year. Um, it's hard. It's so hard to understand um, what this. And I, I know it's uh, a virus. Um, but it's just bizarre. We're all... It's a bit like War of the Worlds, isn't it? You can't see evidence of what's going on. You just read about it. You read about all these deaths and all these... But um, I don't know whether it's the same everywhere else, but uh, I, I, I haven't seen... I haven't seen anything of the virus. I haven't... It hasn't impacted me personally. Um but I know it's there, there. It's frightening. In I don't know. I and, don't, I, and and that's why you probably, if you want to take care of yourself, do what's best for you, not your neighbor. Not yeah. You want to help your neighbor if he needs it, but but they're saying no. Best for you. That's what they're saying. Don't help your neighbor. Oh really? Yeah, because somebody like like let's for example, Gordon is um there's we've got three groups over here. We've got regular people, we've got people at risk that are um they're classed as uh, social distancing. That's it. So you've got people that uh, just normal people. Then you've got people at risk that are social distancing. That's people like me. I'm in that category. Um, I have to keep the two meters away from everyone because I'm at a risk of catching it. And if I catch it because I have uncontrolled diabetes, um, it could be nasty for me. Um, it could potentially kill me. 
Then you've got Gordon. Gordon's in the third group. Now, Gordon's in the third group, which is um, at-risk uh, shielding. Now, Gordon shielding, he needs 12 weeks he's supposed to stay indoors um, because he has, he has uh, problems that if he caught it, it would be much more severe. I'm not going to go any further than that, but basically a worse scenario. Um, and he's in that group. So we've all been told these things, which is frightening. It's frightening to know that you could bump into somebody, walk in the dog, and within a week you're gone because that's what we're hearing in the news. Uh, you're, uh, we're hearing about doctors that have uh you know they've they've been doing their job and then within a week they're gone frightening well i, I mean moment in it but to Sorry, be fair, they don't know anything they don't know everything yet they don't know no. like i heard i was reading something the other day that they think this until they figure it out might be a yearly thing well, hopefully they'll have an anti-vaccine. Uh, hopefully not. And even if they do get a vaccine, when are we going to get it? 12 to 18 months away, which is next year. I think it'll be quicker than that myself. I don't know, but I think it'll be quicker than that. But, you know, that that's the thing. No one knows. No, nobody knows anything. Um, <laughs> it's the worst part. Anyway, I, I, I really, I really, I don't see a vaccine till at least next year. We have I don't gone, think we'll see it this year. We've gone way off topic. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so I'm going to close. We're going to close this one down because uh, it's already been, it's been an hour and a half, and we've we've gone a little bit off topic. Um, but uh, hopefully that gives you guys that are listening a sense of um, a sense of the climate, a sense of how we're all thinking. That you know, what we've spoke about in the last twenty minutes is what everyone's talking about. Uh, I can guarantee you, it's what's going on in every household, um, and some, you know. Some people are worrying about it more than others. Some people are suffering panic attacks from it. It's, a, you know, a nasty business. Um, and all we can do for now is follow the government rules, um, stay away from everyone, uh, and just wait it out. Um, from me, that's uh, goodbye. Have a night from me. Bye. And that would be a good night from Josh as well. <laughs> I love it. Bye. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, good night, everyone. And we will see you all. Um, I think we're going to be back. Uh, we're going to be back on next week while the coronavirus is about. Um, so we've got a weekly update. 
um, on things, uh, all, all model related, hopefully. Hopefully we don't keep going off tangent too much, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway, and uh, we will see you all next week. Bye for now.